Hi, this is Pastor Jake from Harvest Community Church. We meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. at 18511 East Hampton Avenue, Suite 204. We're located in the Movie Tavern Shopping Center next to the State Farm. You can check us out online at Facebook or on our webpage at harvestcolorado.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two, or five and two fishes. And he commanded them to sit down in groups of, uh, on the green grass. And so they sat them down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And by taking the, the, the loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set them before the people. Oh, holy smokes. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, when I, when I started out this morning, I thought, well, this would be the sad morning. <laughs> and at the moment, it's kind of silly, but it's really amazing. Oh, my gosh. And he divided the two fish amongst them all. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. There are at least three lies that we tell ourselves on a weekly basis. First lie that we tell ourselves often is that busyness leads to progress. The more we do, the more we'll get ahead. I mean, think about our lives at the moment. Think about our, we have our cell phones in our pockets right now. Most of us do. Um, we have uh, the business channel or we have CNN on at all times or whatever news channel you subscribe to. It's on all the time. We're, we're at work. We're thinking constantly, oh my gosh, I have to do and do and do in order to get ahead. I got to work those extra hours. No longer is it 40 hours a week that we have to uh, contend with. Now it's 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Thinking that there's not enough time in the day. There needs to be a 25th hour in the day so that I can get done all the things I didn't get done the day before. It leads to a prevailing opinion in our hearts and our minds that I am too busy. I can't do this. I can't do that. I've got other things that are weighing on my mind. I must continue to do. The hamster wheel will not stop. I must get on it and run and run and run and run and run. It's the myth of momentum. If I stop, things will fall apart. It's only my action and my movement that's keeping this thing together. The centripetal force is drawing all things together. And if I stop, it will all just fly apart. The other lie we tell ourselves is that satisfaction in this life is only achievable on our own. That by my schooling or my talents or, or by my busyness, will I be able to gather around to myself all the things that make me feel right and good. Our careers, our hobbies, our activities, the things we do. These are the things that make us feel right and feel worthy and feel good. And if I just hold on to them enough, I will have meaning and satisfaction in this world. And the last lie I think that we tell ourselves, at least the ones this morning I'm talking about, is that meaning only comes from what we can see, what we can touch, what we can feel, what we can perceive. That all that there is in this world is all that I have to in order to gain meaning and, and purpose in this life. 
We label ourselves in hopes that the community of those who are like us will put meaning into our lives. We ask questions like, what gives me ultimate worth? The only problem is, is that with that, the target is ever moving, ever changing, ever evolving. So in the reality, none of us can really say that we have it all together, that we have understanding of what true meaning and true worth is, what true satisfaction is, and then we just feel like the things are going to fall apart if I just stop. And it's in this context that we come to the story. I love this story. I love the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I used to think it was an amazing feat. You know, 5,000 men is a lot of people to feed. But then when you add on wives and children, maybe it was 7,000, maybe it's 10,000. As a church pastor who pastors a very small church, I can't imagine what it's like to have 5,000 people just show up on the other side of a lake waiting for me to step out of a boat to say something amazing to them. And yet that's exactly what Jesus shows up here. He goes across the sea with his disciples hoping for a vacation and ends up with this giant people saying, we want more. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, they, maybe they got banners and they're waving. Yeah, well, you made it. We ran across the way. It's like groupies for like, like a fish concert or, or, a, or, or the Grateful Dead people. They just go wherever the band goes. And so the band goes across the sea and they're like, we don't have enough boats. So we're going to go around. Yeah, and they get there. It's a story. We didn't get enough. We need more, 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 more. Encore, encore. And this is a context of busyness and this context of meaning and satisfaction that we find this story. And I think what Jesus is teaching us in this story is not how to have a bigger church. He's not teaching us how to be a more impactful speaker and do miracles. But what he's teaching us is that Jesus alone can do what we cannot Jesus' point here is that he is capable of doing all of those things that we are incapable of doing for ourselves. Here's what I mean. Jesus reveals this great truth that number one, rest is required. The lie we tell ourselves is that the more busy we are, the more we'll get done and the more uh, 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 we'll be able to hold our world together. But in reality, Jesus is telling us just the opposite. He's saying, listen, when things go right, you need to stop. When things go wrong, you need rest. See, the disciples had just come back from this amazing uh, first uh, uh, missionary experience. It's as if you got up to the plate and you hit a home run the first time and you can't wait to go back out there again. But instead of Jesus saying, all right, you guys are psyched and you're excited. We're, you've been doing amazing ministry work. Let's go out and do it again. In our, and, and they could. But he says, there's a key here. You cannot survive on momentum alone. You must stop. Jesus says, come away with me to a desolate place and rest. You guys are on adrenaline right now. And that's going to fade. All this great ministry success you've had just now and all that amazing stuff you've seen, that stuff's going to fade. The feelings will die down. Your sugar rush will be over. And what will you be left with? You'll be in a heap trying to resurrect this thing again in order to get it back so you could feel good about yourself again. No, 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 no. Rest is required. Jesus says, come away to a solitary, desolate place and rest. 
And it's interesting to note here that Jesus is not just saying, come away to a solitary place and just rest. But what he's saying is like, you need to come to where I've been all this time. Jesus is saying, listen, I know what it means to be in a place where people are constantly asking of you. And you know what I do? When you're not looking, I get up, go by myself and go spend some time with the Father. I go to a dark place. I go to a desolate and lonely place, a place of quietude and solace, and I rest. And I spend my time with him. So what Jesus is doing is saying, listen, because you follow me, I'm going to invite you in to this circle. I'm going to invite you into my place. I'm giving you the keys to the most amazing relationship in the world. Will you come with me? Let me show you what I know. Let me have you experience what I experience. Will you come rest? Come Sabbath. Come in solitude and silence and renewal and recreation. Will you come? Will you stop and will you come with me? Be renewed by the Father in the place of prayer. See, Jesus invites the disciples to a secret place. Come in, experience all that I have known from eternity. See, Jesus lets us know that momentum and busyness is not the way that we hold it together, but it is rest and stopping and silence. It's entering into the regular rhythm of rest that enables us to be effective in life and in service. See, without it, rest, at least for us, compassion is not possible. Just think about it. If Jesus hadn't spent all that time in place of prayer with, Jesus, with, with the Father, could he have had the same amount of compassion when he stepped off the boat and saw those 5,000 people? When you, live, when you work in a service industry, the last thing you want to see the next day is more people. But if you're rested, if you've spent time recharging yourself and finding a place to recreate and play and, and, and unload, you can go into that next day ready to face. You can deal with people again. Just simply being uh, ministering or living life in a state of exhaustion will only lead you to further states of exhaustion, whether or not you're ready for it or not. And Jesus here demonstrates that resting from work through the restorative time with God enables us to be salt and light, to have compassion on those who have such a demand for us. Rest and solitude is not only something you do by yourself, as Jesus demonstrates, but also in community. This is rest for us. It should be, at least. But the second thing he does here, which I find is amazing, is that true satisfaction is provided by Jesus alone. If you look at verse 34, uh, at the very last half of it, it says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd and began to teach them many things. And then later on in verse 42, it says, They ate and they were satisfied. Not about you, but I've been to a few restaurants in my lifetime where I've actually walked out feeling utterly satisfied. Like, oh my gosh, greatest meal ever. Jen and I went to a fancy restaurant for like our 23rd or 22nd wedding anniversary. And we walked out of there just kind of like, whoa, that was the greatest thing ever. I mean, on the pantheon of restaurants, that was the tops. Satisfaction. Feeling of like, oh, yeah. All right. I can't, I, if I died right now, that would be the greatest meal ever. There's even a TV show out right now called The Best Thing I Ever Ate. It's on the Food Network, which, by the way, I don't know why I watch usually after dinner. It doesn't make any sense. But when you eat something so amazing, that you just feel utterly satisfied. And when they heard Jesus speak, they were utterly satisfied. 
It's as if Jesus was serving up the most amazing word food in the world, and they just were like, oh, nom, 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 like getting through the entire bag of Doritos. Never done that. But the kids have. See, the crowds followed Jesus across the sea in order to be filled with what he had to offer. See, this entire time, they've been sitting and listening to Jesus. Oh, tell us more, tell us more. You're just filling us and filling us and filling us. And then he gets to the other side of the sea and he has compassion on him and says, I'll just keep giving more. I'll give you what I have. I will satisfy you in your heart and your mind and your spirit. And then he goes a step further and says, I'm going to satisfy your stomachs as well. Because compassion doesn't just look at a person and says, well, I see that you need encouragement and you need love. You need all that. But also your stomach is empty. It says, I'm going to heal you and, and fill you. You see, Jesus' compassion is completely holistic. It's whole person. And he knows that we need that. It's not what I can get for myself, but it's what Jesus can give to me. The whole idea of the gospel is that Jesus can only, we need what only Jesus can give to us because we on our own cannot do it ourselves. That is the whole of the gospel. And because he even emptied himself for us on the cross to take sin and death that we deserve, he offers us all that he has to be our ultimate satisfaction. Jesus then becomes our soul's satisfaction. Our deepest longings are now found in him. Jesus is telling us that our satisfaction does not come from out, uh, from something from inside of ourselves, but is what comes from the outside, what he gives to us. It's found in knowing that we are utterly valued by the God of all creation. And he shows that by his compassion towards the crowd. But lastly, I think he tells us this morning that ultimate meaning is found in Jesus' invitation to be a part of his work. Listen, I understand that that uh, Jesus has compassion on the people. But you know that the disciples, when they saw the 5,000, they went, hey, I thought this was supposed to be vacation. I thought this was supposed to be one of those all-inclusive things where we got to get, get away from the people. But now there are five, six, eight, nine thousand people in front of us all going, Jesus, Jesus, what are we supposed to do? And I love this. And Jesus goes, you feed them, which I think is a, a really sick sense of humor because they're all going, let's just send them away. God, I don't want to deal with this. You ever have that? You ever had to deal with people on it when you go to work every day and you go like, ah, I just want to put my phone on like forward to five 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 one two one two, which is not a real number, but you just want to put it there so that people will leave you alone. I got all these hungry mouths to feed, and now I can't. I just want. I just want to go sit in the basement. I don't want to deal with you. Well, that's what the disciples are like. Jesus is all about compassion. He's all like pouring himself out, and the disciples are like, well, that's great. That's his job. I don't want to, have to deal with that. And then he goes, you feed them. Because the disciples were right. They realized that there's a real need here. They realized that they got a hunger bunch of hungry people and there is no Kroger or no King Supers nearby. There is no, uh, you know, Walmart or Sam's out there that they can just go to and get a, a bulk load of Wonder Bread. There is not that capability. So the disciples in their all practicality and their pragmatic, pragmatic thinking, they're like, listen, Jesus, we love them just as much as you. Sort of. So here's what we want to do. Why don't you just send them away? Listen, there's a bunch of towns around here and maybe, you know, they could just go over there. You just, you just take care of that. And Jesus looks at them and goes, why don't you take care of it? You feed them. And I, I swear it must've been Judas. It must've been somebody else who says, what, you want us to take a half of your salary and go to town and buy a bunch of bread? Because when he says, 
you buy, uh, it's like 200 drachmas, which is a day's salary. 200 days salary of work. You want us to take what we have in our chest and go to town and, and do this. This is impossible, Jesus. What you ask is ridiculous. And then Jesus asks the question, well, what do you have? So they go to the sack, well, I guess, where they had bread, their bread and fish, which was their lunch, most likely, which was their provisions for a day, maybe. Five and two. Jesus takes it, divides it as if it was just nothing. Gives the bread to them and says, go feed them. So you can see, I can just see it now. Peter have a half loaf of bread or a third of a loaf of bread walking around to these groups of fifties and hundreds and going, here you go. And it's as if when they were pulling the bread off, the bread didn't pull off or where it did, it just kept regrowing, which would have just blown my mind, right? So bread's just coming off and hundreds and fifties and, and, and thousands of people are being fed by these hunks of bread. Crazy. And then they gather up 12 baskets full. So what they started off with five and seven, they ended up with 12 baskets full of broken pieces and leftover fish. See, Jesus is trying to communicate to them this morning that yes, in spite of all the obstacles of resources and time and trust here, Jesus doesn't let those impairing obstacles get in the way of caring for people he loves. Even though that he had weak and empty and irritated disciples who were hung up on the, on the visible, he uses them and says, will you come? Will you invest? Will you trust me? Will you do what I ask you to do? I invite you to join me in this thing that's about to happen. Yeah, because Jesus could have just made it rain uh, manna like in the Old Testament days. And they could have just fallen down. But he says, no, no, no. I want you to be part of what I'm doing. True meaning means when uh, Jesus says, will you go do? And you say, yes, I will. And he says, here's some bread. Go do. That's where the real meaning comes in. Because of the God of the universe who didn't need me, who doesn't need you. But he willingly says, come, join me. Not only in my rest and receive the satisfaction of your soul, but will you join me in going out and giving what you have and watch me multiply it so that people wonder and find that God really does care for them. You become the hands and feet of Jesus. It's true purpose, true purpose in this world is not what we dream of ourselves to do or to be. It's in the calling of our maker to join him in what he's doing. See, the lies that if we just find the right career or the right spouse or the right thing or the right object will have meaning and purpose in this life. See, the truth is, is that Jesus came and died in our place as a witness to God's great love for you and I and his work to realign us to the original meaning of life, which is to participate in the care of this world created for his glory. Adam's original uh, thing that he was supposed to do is care for what God made. And through Christ, he invites us back into that world to care for what God made. Whether it looks like us or not, whether it sounds like us or not, whether the odds are stacked against you, whether it's impossible. This is what he invites us to. That's where true meaning comes in. So how do we do this? Because if we're talking about rest and satisfaction and meaning in this world, these are the three almost stool, or, uh, stool legs or, or pillars of what we try to accomplish in this life. How do I have rest? How do I recharge? How do I have satisfaction in this life so that I, uh, I can give of myself to others? That is the pillars of the Christian walk. So how do we do it? I think it's important for us to recognize that our dailiness should always flow from solitude to community and to service. 
That we should, we should seek to find rest on a daily basis. We should seek our satisfaction in God alone and then look for ways for God wants us to, how He wants us to serve our community. These are the rhythms of God's gospel and grace that we are invited to experience every day in big and in small ways. Something I want you to recognize here is that the 5,000 people didn't stick around. This 5,000 people that, ex- that experienced this amazing miracle, they left eventually. This miracle, these pillars, these things that Jesus was teaching were for his 12 and for those that called themselves disciples. Jesus is not in it for the big crowds, but he's in it for creating people like you and me who are following him in his footsteps that we might learn how to rest that we might learn how to have utter ultimate satisfaction in him, that we might learn how to serve others. So how do we do it? Rest. How many of you right now in this room would say you have uh, a regular rhythm of rest in, built into your life? That's what I thought. Most of us in here are so busy, and I put air quotes on that, busy with work, busy with whatever it is we do after work, family, children. We feel like we're in a rat race. We're constantly running. But Jesus says, if you're my disciple, you will learn how to rest. Not only in what I've done for you through the cross and made you my child, but in the practical sense, how do we rest? I think there's a daily rhythm that we must get into. Find a way. How many of you would say that you actually have, you have 15 minutes a day where you can actually quarantine that off and say, this is my 15 minutes of rest. Is that a possibility? I think so. I don't think it's unrealistic. Here's some, here's some things. And I actually have you write them down. If you have your bulletins, write this down. There are at least, uh, there's at least two uh, web or phone apps that you can download right now. Uh, well, not right now. The internet's down unless you have data. Apparently. Thank you for... <laughs> Thank you for setting this up. Two of them. One, it's called Pray As You Go. For those of us that find that we can barely get out of bed in the morning, have to have our cup of coffee, and then jump in the car after barely showering with our hair still wet, can't find time. You have a span of time between the time you get in the car and by the time you get to work that you can use this app. It's called Pray As You Go. It's a little app that has a uh, scripture reading that it will do. It has some beautiful uh, music from around the world in the different churches, from everything from Gregorian chants to uh, African hymns. And they'll play in the background and get you into the mindset of resting in, the, in who God is. Then we'll read the scripture and we'll guide you through the prayers. It will guide you through and says, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? It'll say, pray. Speak to Jesus right now about whatever it is that they're talking about. Pray as you go is the app. I invite you to download it. I have it. It's my go-to Sunday morning prayer thing. When I run into times when I can't figure out what to pray for, I'll click on that thing. Because prayer doesn't have, prayer and rest doesn't have to be a reinvention of the wheel. It just means you, you quarantine time off. Another one I have that I've just downloaded this morning, which I found is fa- it's called the Book of Common Prayer. I'm just now getting into it. So please, if it says something that is completely whack and weird, please let me know, and I'll, or I'll let you know that I found it not right. But I, it so far is pretty cool. It'll remind you throughout the day. 
of different times, of different pra- uh, prayers. Uh, it'll remind you that you are not only praying with by yourself, but you are also joining others who are in the midst of that. So you are praying with other people at the same time. There's a great book I'm reading called The Jesus Life Book. Once I'm done, you're free to, to take a look at it. These are the ways to help us uh, start and maintain a daily rest. A daily time where we can recharge with Jesus because he invites us in. He invites you in. Second way is weekly. We worship together. This should be a time of rest. Yes, I realize that it is difficult for all of us to, to come on a regular basis. I get it. Life happens. Stuff happens. But know that this place will always be here for you to come and rest your weary souls, to sing songs of praise and, and worship to God who died for you, to come to a place where we can unload our burdens and have each other pray for each other and where we can celebrate the ultimate life and death through communion. This is the place of worship. And then I would invite you also that take your weekend and go play. Eugene Peterson famously said that his Sabbaths are not just about spiritual rest, but they are recreation. A time where you go and do something that just repairs who you are. Whether that's you love running, whether it's like you like great drives, whether it is something, whatever it happens to be, whatever your thing is, go do that. Go be with people you love that recharge your spirit. If you love movies, go watch movie. Whatever it is, go do that thing. It's not just prayer and worship, but it is also being active in the world and going and enjoying what God has created. Take a retreat if you can. Second thing, be satisfied in Christ in your heart and your mind. Here's what I would say. Daily speak the gospel to yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Let that be on the record player. Okay, I'm sorry. For those who don't remember what a record player is, there's like two. <laughs> no, I wasn't talking to you. I was like, okay. let that be in the soundtrack of your mind. Remind yourself daily. Speak the truth about who God is and what he has done for you and how beloved you really are. Remind yourself. Because this world will tear you up. This world will try to bring you down and tell you that you're worthless and not good enough. It will tell you that you are a wretch. It will tell you all of the lies about yourself. And we need to remind ourselves of just what God has done for us and how loved we really are. Let that be something in your soundtrack of your mind on a daily basis. Some ways to do that is to be in the Word. Praise you go has you, has you in the Word. There's also, if you're into hip-hop, which I am, uh, there's also a thing called Streetlights. Some great uh, hip-hop artists have, and electronic dance music have put together a soundtrack to the New Testament. It is fantastic. And, the, and if you've ever had a spoken word poet speak the words of Scripture, it'll change how you view it. It is so good. It's called Streetlights. Again, the Book of Common Prayer app has it as well. Um, uh, I'll be posting these on the website and on our Facebook site as well so that you can see them and then download them, click them, and, and go at it. Lastly, when we come, we need to come uh, to worship and the Lord's Supper every week. When we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we remind ourselves of God's sufficiency. And lastly, accept his invitation. Jesus always moves us from solitude to community to service. We go from one-on-one with God to one-to-many with God to turning ourselves inside out and serving those who are less fortunate. 
We're not always going to get the 5,000. But you know there's somebody that you run into on a daily basis that God puts in your way to serve them. Whether it's you buy somebody the Starbucks ahead, behind you when you're in line. Man, that's a blessing, isn't it? When it happens. See, God says, listen, there's going to be times when you're going to run into the least, the lost, the sick, the poor, the social outcast, the one who needs a kind word. You're going to run into those more than you run into the 5,000. You're going to run into those more than you, than you can imagine. We talk about here that our, a lot of times our missionary um, uh, well has uh, run dry. Well, I think a lot of times it's because we've become so drawn into ourselves that we fail to see the great harvest that's out there. You exist to be God's instrument of peace. I love that old prayer. Make me an instrument of your peace. If you haven't heard it, I'll post it also. It's fantastic. Daily, look for opportunities to share the love of God in word and deed. Kind word. Doing something for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Secondly, every week, come volunteer to serve. If you look at our church and you go, oh, there needs to be something. We need to do this. Come talk to me. I will empower you and give you the, what you need in order to serve those who you see need a, a need. Because I don't see everything. Come give of yourself uh, to the crossing if you want to. Denver Rescue Mission. Come serve a meal. Come start a new ministry to serve those that we don't have an insight to. See, service is always fraught with overwhelming odds. Some people might look at a church and go, well, you don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have this to support this. Jesus goes, yeah, and I work great with those kind of, those kind of circumstances. Because the disciples didn't have bread, they didn't have enough fish, they didn't have drinks. There was no soda machine. There was no, like, you know, Fanta station with orange drink. You know, we didn't have that. They had nothing. And Jesus is like, that's great because I work great with nothing. I made the stars. I made platypuses. I made you out of nothing. So why couldn't I do something with the nothing you have? Don't tell Jesus what he cannot do. But if you see it and there's a need, let's go do it. Let's go do it. We, always, we never have enough. We never have comfort. We, don't always, we never have the money to do. We always... Let's put that out of our mind and trust in the one who made the stars. Jesus will always take more than what you have and make it more than you could imagine. He can do more with what you don't have so that we can give all that we have without expecting anything in return. Our service... Our words and our deeds will serve to give hope to the hopeless, life to the lifeless, peace to those who are in turmoil, and love to the loveless. Do you know people like that? When Jesus is sending you out today, you are to go be his hands and feet. With all your frailties and all your uh, emptiness, Jesus is like, I can work with that. Come rest. Come find your satisfaction in Christ. And then turn out and go serve.